0: This is The Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What's up, people? Welcome to The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. This is episode 41, and I've got my good friend. Well, let's be honest here. I'm not going to say good friend because Jason and I don't know each other that well, but I say good friend just because we've known each other for a while, and it feels like, you know, I know him more than I know the the typical people that I've had on the show. Well, you know what? That's not even true. I need to start this whole thing over. My day is off. It's all off, people. It's all off-kilter, off-axis, whatever. I'm not recording at my normal time. And I feel like I've never done this fucking thing before. It's just, it's all weird. I, I normally record intros late at night as I'm piecing together the show for the next day. And I decided to try something different. You know, everyone's on this whole morning routine thing. And I've had a number of people tell me lately, Adam, I know you say you're a night owl and you can't, you function in the morning, but, you know, you'll do your best work in the morning. So I decided to go to bed early last night and get up early to do this and do this first and see if they were right. Well, so far they're wrong because I feel like I I can't decide which end of my brain is right side up at the moment. Caffeine is still, has, hasn't quite made its way to my blood flow yet. Maybe if I could get like a caffeine drip, like an IV caffeine drip in here in my office and I could get up early and just plug that thing in, maybe that would work. I don't know if you've ever had a serious uh, surgery or accident before. I have. And when you have to have an IV medication, And they can't just keep you in the hospital for months. So they send you home with basically a semi permanent IV attached to your arm. And the medication they give you, it's actually kind of cool. I don't know how we got off on this, but it's like a, um, it's about the size of an orange or a grapefruit. And it's this like self compressing kind of thing. Like you attach it to your IV. And when you pull the little clip off, There's some sort of pressure in the bag that that forces it to compress and and push the medication into your system. I had that for, geez, I don't know, a couple of months back when I was like 18. And uh, it was interesting because I was working full time. Anyway, I don't know how. Yeah, maybe you get some of those caffeine, uh, caffeine, grapefruit, IV things and just have it, you know, go straight in. I think then, if I got up at six in the morning and tried to do this, it would be better. I don't know if any, if there are any doctors or medical professionals listening. If you could hook me up with something like that, that'd be pretty sweet. All right, Adam at Clark dot com. If you come up with the caffeine IV home drip system, TM, there's a business for you. Someone who wants to be an entrepreneur. Okay, it's Thursday morning. See, I'm I'm just all screwed up. It's Wednesday morning, and I've got my friend Jason Van Lu on the show. It's it's very interesting because Jason and I knew each other from when I was in, in a web designer when I was primarily in the web world, and I think I even we talk about it in the conversation. There was a while there that I had even been interested in in working for Jason. He was the creative director at the time for a company called Envy Labs. It's still Envy Labs, but I think they're they're going by Envy these days, and it didn't work out. It, it seemed like it was going to work out for a while, but I was really only interested in a remote position at the time, and they were looking for someone local. But I thought it would have been cool because they made a product called Code School, and Code School was uh, one of the first sort of video code programming training uh companies and it was really great. I really loved it. I was a subscriber. I really enjoyed using it and I've always been fascinated with the sort of online education space and I wanted to work on that product. And so we talked for a while. It didn't end up working out, but still, uh Jason and I uh got to know each other a little bit during that time and we had known each other because the web is kind of a small community anyway. But he's he's got quite a story. I'll tell you what. I mean cancer uh just a lot of things going on in his life he's got a couple of kids and uh we kind of connected a little bit over that we spent a while talking about parenthood fatherhood because as you know my wife is pregnant (laughs) we're not pregnant i talked about that in the last episode she's pregnant but i'm going to be a dad again i don't even think that makes logical sense i'm already a dad we're gonna be having another kid. Let's just keep it at that. Sometime in September, we found out an actual date. They're saying September 23rd. Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows when it's gonna actually pop out? But that's what they're saying. And it's been a long time. It's been it's been six years. My youngest daughter just turned six, so it's been a long time. So we talked about that some. But what's really cool is that, in the space of about five years, Jason went from designer to CEO of the company. So. What happened was is that they got an offer um, to basically sell Code School. They sold it for I don't even remember millions of dollars, and and that whole section of the company kind of broke off, and and Jason became the CEO of Envy, which you know is now focused mostly on consulting and client work. Although they are working on some other products. In fact, they've got a new one coming out. Jason uh w- didn't want to get too much into it on the show because it's not out yet but we talked about it a little bit afterward it's going to be pretty cool. I think uh I think they're doing great things. And I was just interested in the story of how how you go from being des- a designer with a company to the CEO of the company. And and I'm not talking about a company with two employees. <laughs> you know, I mean I'm technically a CEO, right? I'm a CEO of my own company. But I'm also the only employee of the company. So that doesn't really count. I mean, this is a legit CEO position. I think they've got 14 people. I don't know. It's not a small operation, in other words. In other words, he needs to bring in more than, you know, a few thousand dollars of business each month to keep the thing afloat. Talking about lots of work here, lots of business. And I just thought, man, that kind of pressure, having 14 employees, even if it's not like this super hierarchical hierarchical structure where they're all, you know, looking for me to tell them what to do. I know that's not the situation with Jason. You know, it's more of a flat structure even though he the buck does kind of stop with him. He's ultimately in charge. But still, having that having all those people's employ employment, their livelihood kind of rest on me indirectly. I mean, envy they they definitely have people who do sales and you know it's not all on Jason to do that but still whether indirectly or directly having all those people depending on me I think would drive me crazy I mean all I can handle is having my own family depend on me (laughs) and I can barely handle that so I, I was very fascinated by how someone goes from being a designer being hired as a designer just a regular designer at a company To being the CEO of that company in such a short period of time, really, and what the changes were like, and how the job is different, and whether or not he liked it. And also, you know, I don't know of many, I'm sure there's some out there, but I don't know of a lot of companies of that size where the CEO has a creative director design background. You know, usually you've got CEOs who are techie, like in startups. You've got CEOs who are like uh, programmers or engineers. And you've got CEOs who are business people. And uh, turns out Jason did have a background in business from school and stuff like that. But I still thought it was interesting that the CEO of this company is, you know, came from a creative director design position because I don't think that happens a ton. So anyway, it was a very interesting conversation and I had wanted to have Jason on the previous iteration of the Gently Mad, that lasted for almost two years. You know, it would that would have been a perfect fit when he was doing design stuff, but it just never worked out. We never actually made it happen. So I'm glad we were able to make this happen, and it was a good one. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I know I right now I don't sound super enthused, but I don't ever sound super enthused. Come on, people. Seriously, I I, I mean this is this is as excited. As I get, you see the full range of emotion on this show. I just don't, I don't have these peaks, you know, where I get super excited about things. So I'm telling you right now, honestly, I'm pretty excited about this conversation, even though it doesn't sound like it, but that's because I'm trying this whole morning thing. And so far, I'm not liking it. I got a headache. Coffee hasn't worked, hasn't kicked in yet. I'm not used to be up, not used to being up at this time of the day. I can't even talk crying out loud all right i'm going to put you out of your misery and end this intro okay just let's just get it done let's get to the conversation with jason we'll be right back with that after this brief word from our sponsors the gently Mad is brought to you by hover hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names Now, I'm not just saying that, I've been a Hover customer for years, and when I first discovered Hover, I moved all my domains over to Hover immediately. You want to know why? Because they have a phone number. I mean, how many domain name registrars do you know that has a phone number that you can call and speak to an actual human without a long hold time and get any question you need answered? Maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but that meant a lot to me, and in fact... That's intentional. I talked to Michael Keshen, who works at Hover, and here's what he had to say.
1: I keep a close eye on the social media interactions and and do many of them myself. And what I notice is, um, we'll get a lot of people who, you know, they'll be having some sort of problem with with the competitor of ours, and they'll say, "Oh, I won't name a name, but you know, this company, uh, you know, they're telling me I have to wait, blah blah blah. They can't help me with whatever." And then and then the response from them is like, sorry about that. We'd be happy to help you with ticket number, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just completely <laughs> not personalized at all. And then, you know, someone will come in and say, dude, go to Hover now, please. You know, like, they'll help you with whatever. And then even I'll jump in sometimes and, uh, on behalf of Hover and say, totally, yeah, we'll be glad to help you. Us right now with whatever.
0: So if you're like me and you care about that personal touch, then trust me, go to hover.com and try it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And if it's your first purchase at Hover, use the promo code TGM at checkout and get 10% off your order. The Gently Man is also sponsored by Harvest. Harvest is a business tool for Time tracking, beautiful invoicing, and generating reports. I've used it for many years myself, and whether you're a freelancer or a large team, Harvest has you covered. I called up Danny Wen, one of the co-founders of Harvest, and issued him the 20-word challenge. Give me a Harvest and 20 words or less without any buzzwords or, you know, industry speak, if you will. <laughs>
1: I'll try my best, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been doing this, but, um, okay, so Harvest uh, at, at its core is a time tracking and invoicing and now time planning application. So uh, we help um, anyone in professional services, uh, people in consulting and design and development, uh, really get a hold of their business, know where their time is going, and also bill for their time and get paid for it. So in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do.
0: Cool. Except that was like a hundred words. So. <laughs> I told you it's been a while, man. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. So maybe Harvest can't be summed up in 20 words, but it's an amazing tool and it's probably the number one thing I could not live without in my business. If I had to cancel any of the handful of monthly Services that I use, Harvest would be the last one to go. I love it. I use it almost every single day, and as a designer, it's a delight—an absolute delight to use. So go to getharvest.com and sign up. Your first month is already free, and you can get fifty percent off your second month by using the promo code TGM. Again, that's getharvest.com, and thanks to them for sponsoring the Gently Mad. It is time for the main event. Jason Van Lu, my friend, is on the show today and I'm very excited to get to this. So here's my conversation with Mr. CEO himself. Uh, ah. Do you watch House of Cards? I do. Okay. Love it. Have you powered through season three yet? Not yet. We're about a
1: quarter of the way through. I think we're on episode four right okay, now. So,
0: you know, in the same way as like that sort of Mr. President, I don't know if, if I should call you Mr. CEO or <laughs> it's like, but I, 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 in preparation for this conversation, you know, I actually have already powered through the whole third season. And I picture you when when all these things changed to MB Labs, like, Walking into the CEO office, kind of leaning over the desk, and then double pounding the desk real quick, you know. I, although I don't <laughs> know, if, ring. yeah. I, although I don't know if you murdered people and everything to to get to the CEO position of Envy Labs or not. But well, if I
1: if I did, I certainly wouldn't admit it on this show. So well,
0: that's true. That's true. This is uh this this is where you got to keep um this is where you got to charm people. But uh, you're and but but you don't really have the. Uh, you don't have that Southern, Southern thing going, but you're also not really in this. I mean, I don't know. I would not consider Florida part of the South. Would you? Neither would I. No, yeah, not at all. Not, and you're in Orlando. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So it's mostly whatever the
1: Disney accent is, I guess, is our native tongue.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now I grew up at, do I have any sort of Southern accent? Can you tell anything?
1: Not a whole lot. I mean, I could probably pinpoint you as being from the South, but it's yeah, I,
0: I wouldn't think I do. I mean, I don't care, though. I actually wish I did. You know, when I was a kid, I, you know, I was very, uh, how do you put it? I was enamored with film and radio and news and journalism and writing and all just all that kind of stuff. And at that time in the 80s, early 80s uh the 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 prevailing wisdom was to you know you don't want to have any kind of an accent you know you want to sound like a broadcaster and right. and not have any sense of an accent and that's kind of changed these days now you know if you have an accent unless unless you sound like a redneck or something but <laughs> if you have a some sort of accent it just adds to your charm or your your character the character if you will so but I don't think I have it, even though I grew up in Atlanta. But Atlanta's not really a southern city either, would you say? I don't know. Have you ever been to Atlanta? I have. Yeah, there's there's
1: kind of these islands down here, I guess, like Atlanta, the whole state of Florida... And then like once you, once you cross the Florida, Georgia border, it's like you go even further south than you've been the whole time.
0: I know <laughs> you're going north, but you're entering, you're entering the deep south. Once you uh, go north from Florida into Georgia. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Really from north from Florida, anywhere, Alabama, Georgia.
0: That's true. Yeah. All, all of my wife's family is from South Georgia, right down there, um, near, near the state line and within, you know, a hundred miles or so of that area. So they're all like, uh, you know, old school, you know, they've got, I don't even know how many, my, her grandfather owns like several farms and they own hundreds of acres of farms and land. And, and it goes back like hundreds of years or whatever. It's like this whole family history thing. That's awesome. um, I don't really have that because my parents were both from the North and even though they raised my sister and I in Atlanta, uh, neither of them were from there and we were homeschooled. So we, we just didn't, we never picked up like the, all my friends, you know, sounded like they were from Georgia, but right we never got it. So <laughs> I was homeschooled too. So there you go. Were you born and raised in Orlando?
1: Yeah. Born and raised. I think I'm um, one of the like remaining 10 here in the city that have lived here their whole lives.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's you know, um, is it is it? Would you say it's that way in a lot of Florida or just Orlando in particular, where it's like no one in Orlando is from Orlando?
1: I think there's some of both. Like there's certain pockets of Florida that you know it's sort of like South Georgia or Alabama. Families have been there forever, and you can tell that they've been there forever. Um, but most like major metropolitan areas, Orlando, Tampa, Miami up North Tallahassee. Um, there's a lot of people that come down from up North and then leave and vice versa.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like Atlanta is the same way. It's rare to run into someone who, you know, born and raised there. Uh, Atlanta is kind of like, you know, there's just people from everywhere. Yeah, It's, it's exactly. not, it's not really a Southern city, like I was saying, but but uh, do you like? Well, I mean, have you have you ever experienced? Uh, did you go like out of state for college? Have you ever lived anywhere else in your lifetime, or have you just always been in Orlando? I have
1: always been in Orlando. Went uh, went to school at UCF, uh, Citra, Florida, and uh, so did my wife. My wife was born in. Well, actually, she wasn't born here. She was born in Kentucky, okay, and then moved here when she was like six or seven. That's probably not right. If she listens to this, she's probably going to get mad at me because I don't know that <laughs> fact.
0: Um, yeah. but yeah, what's, what's your anniversary real quick to make up for it? May 7th. Okay. So we're, we're coming up on 10 years. Up <laughs> yeah, 10 years. 10 years. Wow, man. Nice. Years. Congrats. Thanks. We're coming up on uh eight, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I just saw your post yesterday, right? You guys found out the gender. Is that, is that right?
0: We didn't find out the gender. We just, and we've known for a while, yesterday's episode, um, I talked about it a little bit. And and people who are regular listeners of the show know because I've mentioned it before on the show. But yesterday was sort of that first doctor's visit where you you uh, you hear the heartbeat and you, you get the um, initial, I don't know why I'm having a brain freeze. What's the thing called? The um,
1: sonogram or ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
0: ultrasound and the heartbeat and all that. And that just kind of makes it even though we've known for a couple months now it it's still um at that point um it just it's when it becomes I don't know about real but it just yeah it's a little now now you have pictures you have doctor's appointments you know it's we know how old it is and we have a due date and and now it just it just becomes more of a real thing so Yeah, absolutely. That's um,
1: awesome. Congrats.
0: Yeah, we're excited. It was definitely not a uh it was one of those things where. How many? Do you have kids? You have kids, right? I have three kids. Yep. I was gonna say yeah, because I thought, I thought I had a, I, I knew that from reading your your blog. This is an interesting conversation because, um, you and I knew each other. You know, I've been in the web industry for like five or six years now, and you and I knew each other from that when I yep. was doing web work. There was a time even when, uh, you guys were looking for for web. People, you're trying to hire people, and yep. Yep. you know I was considering that, but I think the biggest thing that made made it not work out is that at that time, at least uh, you weren't uh, in any sort of a distributed model, and and we didn't want to leave Georgia at the time, and and I think that's what kind of killed that. But, um, but so I was doing web work, and I knew you through that, NV Labs, and um, Code School, and all that stuff, and and then we moved up to Tennessee and Chattanooga and and I've kind of left the web world so I feel like I'm so out of touch with the web world and and but then you and I are having this conversation we haven't spoken much since since that time so it's a really for me it's a really weird kind of <laughs> it's like like we've each other but it's just been a while you yeah, know what I mean yeah like
1: full full circle kind of thing right
0: yeah cuz I remember back when you know you were speaking at conferences and you wrote all about you know, the cancer and and stuff that really heavy stuff on your blog. And, and there's just a lot going on in your life. And, um, uh, but so your three kids, uh, are they all like, how old are your kids? Let's see. Uh, my oldest
1: Kate, will be nine in April. And then Caroline just had a birthday a couple days ago. She's five. And then Molly is, uh, will be two in a couple of weeks, so nine, five, and two.
0: Okay, so that's very similar. Um, Well, your oldest and your youngest, that'll be about the difference between my oldest and my youngest, but my two girls are seven and six, the youngest just turned six, and the new baby will be born. Actually, the due date is within a couple days of my oldest's birthday. And she'll be turning eight when the new one, right about when the new one is born. And, um, it's quite a, that's what I meant by like, I'm not quite used to, it's like, I, it's been so long, it's been six years, man, since we've done diapers and baby food (laughs) and all that stuff. And like going back to it, I just don't know what to expect. Like I've forgotten it all. And, um,
1: it'll all come back to you.
0: Yeah, no, I know,
1: I know it will, but yeah. Plus all the sleepless nights that'll, that'll definitely come back to you.
0: (laughs) I'm hoping this time around, um, my girls are old enough that they'll, they'll be able to help out some and I can maybe get out of some of the ickier parts. Yeah. You know? That,
1: that's, that's actually like with Molly. Um, cause when she was born, Cade was, you know, six, seven ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, what a difference that made. Cause you know, he, he at least could help out and you could tell him to do things and bring you things. And, you know, I remember when Caroline was born and he was still, you know, kind of a toddler. And uh, it it made it much more difficult. Probably the same with you. Like your girls are really close. So yeah, they're about 18 months apart. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot lot harder that way. Yeah. Yeah. Having somebody you can count on, even, you know, even if he is younger, makes a big difference.
0: Well, this time was special, too, because they, um, you know, they uh, the girls got to go in in the room and and see the ultrasound and hear the heartbeat. and, And of course, they were just transfixed that they could basically see inside quote mommy's tummy. You yeah, know? that's awesome. And and it made it more of a fun experience because they were there and they're old enough to know what's going on and they're already picking out names and I'm definitely not letting my kids name this child because I think they've settled on Rocky if it's a boy. <laughs> I'm like, where did you come up with Rocky? You know, we're not naming a kid Rocky. You know so
1: <laughs> but That's funny.
0: But um but yeah, so it's it was an accident, but it's great because we, we, we both wanted, always wanted to have more kids, but, um, we could never decide, you know, like trying to decide when you're going to have a a kid is one of those decisions. Like there's never going to be a good time. you, You keep thinking, you know, once this happens or that happens, or we accomplish this or get that debt paid off or whatever, you know, but there's just never a good time. And so, but we both wanted more. And I felt the older the kids were getting, like the more we were slipping away from like, Like, we probably just never would go back. And so... Having it be an accident is just is perfect because we kind of get what we want, which was more kids, but we didn't actually have to make the choice. So, right. Yeah. So now, if there's negative results, you know, then it's not my fault. So there you go. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to blame. I don't have any, have any regrets. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, we uh, we we had this great big plan when we first got married. We were gonna wait several years and you know get settled and travel and all this kind of stuff and. We ended up getting pregnant three months after we got married. Oh, nice! I think was the actual date, so it was one of those like, "All right, well, that plan's out the window." <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been great. We wouldn't change anything about it.
0: Was um, uh, does your wife work as well, or does she stay home with them? Are you gonna do the? Are you gonna kind of repeat the homeschooling thing and do that with them, or what?
1: Yeah, she used to work. She uh, sh- she was in sports medicine um, and she worked for the first few years when we were married and now she stays at home um, and is actually homeschooling. Uh, the plan is to homeschool all of them at this point, at least up through, you know, primary or secondary yeah. kind, of, kind of grades and just sort of see how that goes. Um,
0: I'd love to do it, man. I'm so jealous of you because um, I would love, love, love to school. I mean, I had a, you know, a lot of people kind of looked negatively at it, but I had such a great experience and, and I know enough, I've studied enough about the education system that I'm really not, um, too enthused with it. And, um, and I can't really afford, you know, private school. And I don't think that would be much better anyway. And so I'd love to do it, but neither my wife and I are the type, you know, um, And so that's why like my grand plan is to develop some sort of enough of a passive income stream that I can, uh, I can, I can devote, you know, half my week to doing homeschooling and stuff like that. But, uh, not there, not there yet, but hopefully
1: it's, it's a big, big commitment. Um, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. yeah, It's like, (laughs) we, we always talk when I get home and, you know, we kind of see how uh, each other's day went and, you know, as, as tough as work can be sometimes and all the people you have to deal with and, and things like that. Like you go home and you're like, I, I couldn't last an hour trying to deal with the kids all day. Like she's a, she's a saint for sure.
0: Yeah, no, it's a. I I feel like my parents had an advantage because they were both teachers already. And so they kind of knew like, I don't know, they knew what to do. Like they, they had been teachers for years and not just like, you know, on, in a high school or collegiate level, but also, uh, my mom had taught almost all grades from K through one through 12. And so like, she kind of knew what to do and I don't know, there's lots of stuff out there these days, even if you don't know what you're doing, you can figure it out. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, I mean, we've kind of gone all over the place here. I want to get back to Mr. CEO. You know, like, I guess that's what I need to call you. But <laughs> um, a couple years ago when we were talking, you were not Mr. CEO and now you are. Um, what, uh, what the hell happened, man? You know, yeah. like, how did you, uh, how did you, I don't, was that in your mind? I mean, like, I, was this sort of an accidental thing? Not an accidental, but I mean, did this just sort of... F- land in your lap or has this been in the works for a long time?
1: Yeah, it's been kind of an interesting development. Um, I've been at Envy now for um, for over four years, coming up on five. And when I first came to Envy, I came as um, actually the one of the first designers to come on staff. Hmm. Um, at that point in time, this was back in, uh, I guess, 2009, 2010. Um, Envy was primarily known as a Rails shop. And so it was primarily a dev firm and, you know, they did a lot of Ruby on rails projects and they would always outsource design,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, or, you know, freelance kind of bring on some contractors from time to time. And so- How old is
0: Envy itself? Like when, when was the company started? It's just over five years. Um, so- Okay. So you came on like, you were pretty early. Like when you started, how many other people were there?
1: Let's see- like four or five kind of a handful. Um, yeah. So there was four original co-founders, Greg, um, Nate, and then a couple of others, Thomas, um, and Tyler. And so I think I was employee number six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Um,
0: but you were kind of in there in the beginning though. I mean, you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, so they hired you as a designer. They did.
1: And, and it was, you know, at that time, um, one of the reasons that I came on with envy is it was it was my desire and it was greg 's desire as well to round out the team a little bit more um and also to try and and elevate the level of design to the level of development you know envy's always been a a pretty well known development shop um and you know did a lot of open source and uh, community projects and things like that and so it was it was my goal to sort of take Design and and try to elevate it to the same level as as Dev had been. Um, so I came on with the intention to to build out a design team and you know just kind of see where that went. And so over the over the first few years, that was really my role was to was to build up and lead uh, the Envy design team. And in the midst of that, we uh, created Code School. So it was kind of a balancing act between the Envy design team, the which ran Code School for a while, and then. Code School had its own design team kind of built out.
0: It seemed uh, like for a while in there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember us talking at one point because when I was actually interested in working with you guys, it was because I wanted to work on Code School because I loved Code School as a member. And I I felt like it was um, a great, uh, you know, I I loved watching the videos and going through the courses and, and, you know, upping my development game. And, um, and that was that's sort of that's sort of a product membership site thing, but I, I mean, we can put it in the products category. Um, was there ever a point where Envy Labs is it Envy or Envy Labs? By the way,
1: uh, we're going, but with with Envy at this point, it's it's technically officially Envy Labs um, is the official corporate name, but we're uh, we simplified it about seven or eight months ago to just envy so
0: because because uh, the labs used to be in the in the logo but it's it not did. anymore and so well at the time it was envy labs did you were you guys ever thinking um you know was there ever a point where it was like we might phase down the client work and focus more on the product side did code school ever become that big or was it always just were you always intending to do both
1: we were always intending to do both. I think we certainly had those conversations, um, you know, around do we do we go kind of the 37 signals model mm-hmm. where, you know, we're consultancy, but then we build products and sort of phase into those products. And the majority of us here um, love consulting work for a number of reasons. Um, you know, one of the main reasons is it, you know, in the sense of code school, it, it helped us stay on top of what we were teaching, And so there was a very clear, consistent, uh, connection there with what we're teaching and then what we're actually doing on the client side. Um, so Envy's, Envy's philosophy and model has always been, we want to do great work for clients. Um, and then we also want to spin off products and, you know, hopefully those come from out of an internal need or maybe a partnership with a client or whatever, um, and so, Code School was really kind of the first big one of those, and and we've got one that we're developing uh, currently, and, and the and the goal is to kind of continue doing that as we also keep up the consulting work.
0: Yeah, well, so okay, so give me the story from that point when, um, um, I may be wrong on this too, but. It seemed to me that Greg was kind of the face of Code School, maybe just because he was in a lot of the videos. I don't know what his actual position was in the company, but I, I thought he I know I don't think he was a CEO, I don't remember, but he was um he was up there, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, so Greg Greg's the original founder of Envy of Labs. Um and uh he really stepped into the CEO role of Code School, which is his, his current role now. Um about about two years ago, two and a half years ago. This was so, so Code School is about, uh, I guess cl- coming up on four years old now. Um, we launched it in the yeah. early spring of 2010, I believe. Um, well, that's what I was gonna like say. That. So, like
0: at, at that time, you know, Greg was kind of running things, or you know, at least he was, like you said, he was the original founder. There's Code School, and you were you know, design director, creative director, that sort of title, building a design team, you know, um, like kind of catch us up from there to now code school has been sold to another company and you're the CEO of envy. So it's like, you know, that's, that's quite a road. How did that, how did that all just come together?
1: Yeah. So, so let me, let me take you back probably to the beginning of code school. Um, and really, Code School started as uh, as an internal need. Envy's always been very involved in the open source community and kind of the education community, and we used to do a lot of um, Ruby on Rails training, uh, mm-hmm. kind of specifically. And so we would go to conferences and we would give workshops to get folks up to speed. And um, you know, in order to teach a, a room of thirty people how to get started with Rails. Um, without any other kind of curriculum, you spend most of the time troubleshooting, getting everybody's machines set up, figuring out the right things to install all that kind of stuff and so sure. code school was initially born out of a need to figure out a way to automate that to to put something online where uh, people didn't have to get set up. it was just a matter of going in and, and starting to learn um, so it was really an in, you know an internal need for us to try to make that process better and so Code School was launched and began to uh, get more and more followers. And about two years ago, it had grown um, such that, you know, at that point in time, Envy and Code School were one entity. Um, Code School is just a subsidiary of Envy, and since we all had the same staff and and the same team that was working on both consulting projects and on Code School, those two products. Consulting and you know an actual product company um, can work well together, but they they look very different when you're trying to put an operational day to day plan in place. So
0: let me ask as, you. Let me interrupt for one second. And ask you like why why not? Um, given how big Code School got, um, and maybe you answered this when you said because you you kind of wanted to keep your uh, skills top notch, you know. But but why not kind of? have people like, you know, you have a team dedicated to code school. Cause I even remember in our conversations a couple of years ago, like I really wanted to work on code school and you were telling me that, you know, that I would, you know, if I joined the team, I'd probably be working, um, part of the time on code school and part of the time on client projects. Like why keep it integrated like that instead of just have people who just focus only on that and then have people, you know, kind of two sides of the company.
1: Yeah. And so that's ultimately where we where we went, um, because we realized oh, okay. that it's, it's not ideal to try to do both consulting work and a product, you know, wor- uh, sort of work in the, you know, with the same team yeah. because it's, it's vastly different. And so we, we realized that once code school got to a certain size, it was difficult for us to, you know, plan resources for client projects. It was difficult to figure out how do we allocate you know a design team of six or seven um to all of the courses we have to spin out on the code school side to all of the dot com features, plus we have six other client projects over here that need mm-hmm. work um, and so it was it was good because we always have this model that um, we want to bootstrap things as much as possible, so Code school was completely bootstrapped one hundred percent the whole way, and so you almost have to bring things together um, early on in order to do that. But we're, you know, we learned through code school and, and it's, it's what we're going to apply to other products that we create that, you know, as soon as it gets to that point where you can start to see a little bit of tension, uh, competing and kind of demand of resources and sure. direction and things like that. Uh, that's the time at which we can say, okay, let's, let's spin this off into its own entity. Let's start giving it a dedicated staff, um, and that, you know, there's all sorts of considerations there around the business plan of it, sales, income, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that sort of happened about two years ago where we said, okay, we need to, we need to formalize code school as its own entity. Yeah. And so, um, at that point we spent a lot of time looking at the, at the team that we had and we were up to over 30 at that point. Um, mm. wow. People here in the office and, and. And we talked to everybody, and we and we sort of sat around a table and and really strategize. Okay, what what makes the most sense in terms of where do we put people, whether it's on Code School or whether it's on Envy? We wanted to hear from folks and say, what are you passionate about? What do you love doing? Um, and it was actually a a pretty a pretty good way to figure out where folks wanted to spend their time. And so it was yeah. a it was a nice sort of. Um, movement there folks went over to the code school side and and are still there today and then folks went over to the envy side and are still there today so at that point um i i decided and and it was you know talked about within the team that um we needed somebody to spearhead the envy side again and and now that we have spun code school off into its own entity really coming back and and saying okay let's let's really focus on consulting work again, let's make sure that we shore up the envy side of the business um, yeah. and so that was about two years ago, so I've been in the c e o role for for about two years and and oh yeah. see,
0: I didn't know that now see i i thought the c- I thought this okay uh well that's interesting i I thought that uh the the c e o role came with the selling of of Co- of code School so that that's actually not true. It was a couple of years ago when you guys decided to kind of, you know, um, make Code School its own thing and ha- have its own dedicated team. Um, that's when you became CEO. So, yep. okay. So, so you became CEO then. Um, and how did, um, uh, how, how did co- was Code School like? How did it work together? Like, obviously, it was owned by Envy. Well, um, maybe not obviously. Um, assuming it was still uh, parent, the parent company of Code School was Envy. Um, or did it really split off into its? It was a separate thing at that point. You know, even though you shared space and you had former coworkers who were now focused just on Code School. Uh, in all practical ways, was it a, its own separate company at that point or was it still very much integrated?
1: It was kind of in the middle. So, um, as with anything, it, you know, there's, there was still a lot of, um, connections between the envy folks and the code school folks. Um, you know, I, I hired everybody on the design side up mm-hmm. to a certain point. And so, you know, there were Obviously, very key relationships that that's still maintained throughout. We actually um, in our in our current space, which we built out um, about two years ago. So so right around the time as we were sort of formalizing everything, we were able to build out our own space, and and we actually were in the same part of the space with Code School up until a few months ago. So it it really was still kind of a a shared experience to some extent. But then also we were we were focused on client work they were focused on product work. and so it was more of a, a relational aspect that was connected more so than the actual work aspect or any sort of kind of formal business connections. Um, you, you know simply because we sure. had to s- sort of prioritize things. but you know as far as relationships go and and hanging out together and doing events together and all, all of the things that make up both the envy and the code school culture, all of those actually still continue in large part um, you know, till today.
0: Yeah. So then, um, um, I guess get, bring us up to the, the current point where, you know, it it was, uh, you decided to sell it and, and, and what that means for Envy. And, um, um, I don't know if you're still sharing space or it's different space now, or, you know, so you took over CEO role then, but there was some recent news where, um, code school was, was bought by, by Pluralsight. Yep. And, um, and that kind of made a little bit of a splash. So, so, uh, was that, I imagine that had to have been in the works for a while, but did, did you reach a point where you decided we want to sell code school and you began kind of shopping that or, or were you just approached by Pluralsight and it just happened to like, it wasn't expected, but it just happened to, to work out. Yeah,
1: so on, on the Envy side, um, you know, like I mentioned, we, we've, we've always been passionate about doing things in the community, doing things to benefit the industry, um, and spinning off products. I think we all, as much as we love consulting work and building things for clients, we also love building our own things. And so the idea, at least theoretically, has always been, um, and, the, and the business model continues to be, uh, we wanna we wanna have a really well-rounded consulting practice where we mm-hmm. produce great work for clients that allows us then to also create products. And 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 whether those are spun off to actually be acquired or spun off to, you know, be their own entities and, and there's still some mutual benefit back to Envy. Um, we'll we'll sort of take each product as it goes. On the on the code school side. Early on, it was really just a, hey, let's, let's see if how, how much we can grow this. And, and clearly, there's, there's people who enjoy it, um, like the product. We had a lot of fun making it and a lot of fun growing it. And it really taught us a lot, um, you know, even that we can apply to, uh, to the work that we're doing today. And, um, and, and then we, we sort of started to think about, okay, what does the future look like? um, what does it look like for code school? What does it look like for envy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the different options and, and, and roads that we can go down? And so it was a long process. It was, it was the better part of a year sort of evaluating that, talking to different people, um, being approached by different people. And, uh, and so Pluralsight was, was really the company that, uh, the code school team determined was, was going to be the best fit culturally, the best fit you know, on the, on the business side. Um,
0: so you did decide to, at some point, think about selling it and and you started like looking for people.
1: It's been a wild ride. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's one of those things that you, you know, you, you do work and you want to do really good work and you have this idea and you grow this idea, and it becomes a little fledgling product. And you start to grow that product, and you get users. And anybody who's ever worked on that, even if it's a small thing that you do like on your own time, you know, selling little things or whatever, um, you know, you put your heart and soul into it. And and when somebody comes down the road and says, "Hey, we like what you've done, and we want to give you money for it, or we want to yeah. make that part of our company," like it's a, it's it's a very um, wild and and exciting emotion. There's there's a there's a range of emotions that takes place. Um, oh
0: yeah, I to- I totally know what you feel. I mean, I haven't experienced anything on that scale, but even just launching the show and having the initial success with it that I did, you know, it just all these doors start opening up that weren't there before, and you start getting emails from people that you're like, wow, that person's emailing me, you know, and and it's uh, it can be really exciting, but when that happened, I guess I'm just curious, like when, when it seemed, when you started thinking about the selling or you were approached, you know, did it feel like, you know, uh, this is a good thing. Like, this is just the right timing and we didn't know we wanted this, but actually this is really actually what we do want, you know, or, or was it a sad thing or was it mixed feelings? I guess it's probably a little of both, huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's mostly really positive, really good. Um, You know, certainly we we felt it was the right time for for a number of different reasons. We felt like it was the right fit, um, and it's it's also you know again just something that as a company we want to do more of. And so, in many ways, this was kind of the first pass at that uh, to see what it's like and to see how it goes. And and uh, you know, by and large, we were we were all very excited. Certainly, you know, like I said, for for something that you. That you incubate out of your own company and build without any outside assistance, um, you know, it's always a little bittersweet to to sort of see that go. Yeah. Um, but I think we actually had to deal with that sort of emotion early on because when we decided to actually formalize it and and make it its own entity, yeah. we almost kind of had to go through that then.
0: Um, yeah, I was going to ask, like, have. Has your role and like your day to day life has it has it changed dramatically since you so sold Code School or, or more of that happened a couple of years ago when you kind of split it off into its own thing?
1: Yeah, I think it's more the latter um, okay. because you know at that point we said okay let's let's really now focus back on Envy um, and you know we already spun out uh, Code School let's let's start thinking about maybe what product number two is. Let's focus on on doing really great work for the clients that we have and for the new yeah. clients that we can work with. Um, and so that's that's sort of been our, our mantra for the past couple of years. Um, and you know, it's not like we haven't had anything to do on the on the Code School side, but at the same time, we we had to sort of make that transition back then.
0: So, what? How did your 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 role change from being kind of design director, creative director? I'm not sure of your exact title then, but going from that to being CEO, because those are two very, very different jobs.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, and, and from a day-to-day standpoint, it's, it's very different. I think what's, what's interesting, though, is um, in some ways, I feel like I'm doing what I, uh, what I sh- not, not even necessarily what I should have been doing all along, but um, my, my background is actually in uh, economics, business development, finance. Mm. Um, and I, I sort of fell into design uh, sort of backwards. and um, But but what I really loved about design early on was solving problems, figuring out ways to yeah. um, help a company move forward, help a business move forward, um, you know, figure out ways to make an experience better, all of those kind of things that we love about design. And, and so I've, I've always tried to incorporate the business side of design with the Creative side of design, if I can kind of mm-hmm. say that, I guess. Um, and so I, I almost feel like I'm able to do that a little bit more now that I'm in this role because, uh, for us at Envy, it's it's more than just okay, we're gonna we're gonna produce something for you, or we're gonna help you build a particular product. We we have the opportunity to get into the nitty gritty of, all right, well, what does it look like from a from a business standpoint? How yeah. this product is gonna work and grow and live and. And uh, be successful. And so the code school piece, having that in our portfolio, um, doing other products, I think helps us, um, show an example of what we, what we try to do for clients. And that is taking abstract ideas and figuring out ways to make those actually a successful product or a successful business.
0: Well, what, like, um, like what exactly changed for you? Like, like give me kind of a, You know, a a typical day for you before um, when you were when you were focusing on on the design and then a typical day now as a CEO, because, you know, I have a lot of friends in the web industry and a lot of us, you know, in the the freelance, you know, smaller shop kind of circle, you know, a typical shop may have three or four or five people and, you know, one person is technically the CEO, but it's different than like with Envy where you've got quite a handful of people and being the CEO of a company like that um, I imagine it's just quite different so I'm just curious like uh, you know because with a smaller shop even though you might be the CEO you're, you're probably still designing or coding or doing stuff like that every day still and and not just focused on growing the company and running the company but are you still doing any of those things or it's all business stuff at this point
1: yeah, i've I've had to uh, i've I've had to hand in the golden mouse, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I mean, from a, from a practical standpoint, most of of what I do uh, is is in sort of the client relations, new business development, um, strategy, sort of space. And so, mm-hmm. I spend a lot of my time um, talking with existing clients, you know, making sure projects are going well, making sure that their goals are being met. New clients, new business. Um, figuring out, you know, ways to grow envy, um, ways to make our processes better, things like that. Um, and what's, what's also kind of interesting about that though too, and, and it kind of goes to the point that you brought up. Um, I mean, we're not a, a crazy big shop. We're actually 14, um, on the envy yeah. side. So, um, we're actually that size on purpose. Um, we actually don't want to grow as far as people much more than that. Um, yeah you know, because we've actually been there before when we, when we had code school under our roof. And, um, part of that is because we have such an amazing team. And the interesting piece about that is it's not like, I don't see my role as CEO, as, as the, uh, one stop kind of, you know, guy up on a, up on a pedestal (laughs) sort of directing everybody. It's, it's very much a collaborative company. And, Everybody here, um, most of which have been here for many years, um, all have a, a very high vested interest in the company. Um, it's a it's a very collaborative environment. Um really, I think for me, it's it's trying to figure out um ways that we can do things better, suggest ways that we can can make changes um for the positive, make sure that everybody's uh equipped to do their job well. Um and you know just trying to envision everybody of of what we do on a on a daily basis and and how we can help people um through design and development
0: well what so i'm curious do you um like uh do you really not not not, you probably wouldn't say if you didn't i guess but um do you really uh like what you're doing now or or do you kind of miss being you know um heads down in design work and stuff like that? Or, or do you really enjoy the business side of it, like the, the CEO side of it more than what you were doing before?
1: Yeah, I don't think I would say I enjoy it more. Um, I definitely enjoy it. There's there's no question about it. And, um, you know, there are times where I, I do miss the actual design work um, from from time to time. But um, honestly uh, the folks that we have on the team here are, are better in so many ways. And so, you know, I, I feel like my biggest contribution is just figure out ways to, to get out of the way, um, and, and to, and to give them, uh, hopefully the environment where they can really succeed, um, because they, they can go so much farther than I can. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I do enjoy it. I, I, I really enjoy, um, figuring out creative ways to help our clients, help companies, um, help people who, you know, want to change things, want to make a difference. Um, and so I feel like I can, it's, it's not necessarily that I like it more. or feel like I can do it more effectively or whatever. It's, it's kind of a lateral move, so to speak. Um, in, in in some ways it's, it's just a different vantage point, uh, with which to, to do some of those things, which is, which is a lot of fun.
0: What do you think as a CEO now, like, what is your primary, like, if you're doing your job really well, what's the main thing that, that you do is, you know, is it more like vision casting kind of stuff? Like, thinking long-term and this is where we're going to go with the company and, you know, all that kind of big stuff. Um, and I know this is sort of another way of asking what I already asked. Um, or do you still have your hands in, um, a lot of the day-to-day stuff? Like what, what, what's, yeah. Like what, what do you think you're the most important thing that you do is as the CEO now?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's a, it's a few things. I think certainly it's, um, helping to envision everybody. And it's, it's twofold there. It's, it's helping to envision at a high level. Um, and, and this is, you know, some things that I've talked about for a few years, um, you know, in the book and in, and, and in other places. And that's just around the, the purpose behind design, what, what we actually do and and how we can solve problems and make a difference to, through the design and, and the, uh, development work that we do. So it's, it's in some sense helping to envision and, and re envision at times around um what we do on a daily basis is is purposeful. It actually matters. It's it's moving things forward. And we have a really amazing opportunity to be able to do that for many different companies. Um mm-hmm. but then also maybe more on a on a specific level. Um, you know, because as you know, as as anybody who's who works a job knows, like it's not always perfect. It's, it's very often it's, it it can get tedious and, and there's days where you just feel very mundane and, and like you're not really accomplishing anything. And so I think, um, certainly my role in large part is to, is to help when those kind of things happen to encourage and to build up and to make sure that we are all focused on the, on the goals that we have and that we know that we're in this as a team. Um, And so I think that's that's kind of an ongoing thing, um, and then certainly practically, like there, there, there are always ways um, to make things better i was I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who, who also runs an agency and and we were talking about specific uh, items around billing around how we bill and And I think I made the comment like, you know, it seems like we're always trying to figure out the way to do this. like we've never really arrived at the best way yeah. um, and, and, and we were talking about how. I'm not even sure that's a bad thing because I think we're always learning, we're always growing, we're always figuring out, hey, that's an interesting idea. Maybe we should try that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it too is, is always sort of evaluating how we do things and are there ways that we can do it better and are there ways that we can do it more efficiently and are there ways that that I can try to take some of the roadblocks off of people so that they can do their jobs better. Um, so to some extent, it's it's a lot of sort of each day evaluating and and based on that evaluation coming up with action steps that help move individuals forward and help move the company forward as a whole
0: yeah well i'm curious like now how how did you become ceo you know like when these things were all being divided up and you know was it just a seniority i mean i'm i don't that could sound kind of insulting like you know it wasn't like you were talented but you just been there the longest i don't mean it that way but i mean h- how did how did these roles get get picked, you know, a couple of years ago when you were kind of, you know, um, splitting up things?
1: Yeah, we had a uh, Hunger Games, that sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so uh, en- Envy is kind of a, a unique company in the sense that um, there, there's not a ton of, of uh, hierarchy. And I know that's kind of a buzzword. Like you hear the, the, the term flat organization. Right. And all that kind of stuff. Right. And so Um, but in reality, I I think for us, it's more of a sense that, um, everybody on the team has an equal, uh, value and, and equal interest in, um, how we do things at Envy. I mean, there's, there's not a, okay, well, Jason's in this role and therefore everything he says is what we have to do no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. we've tried to really foster a very, um, collaborative environment where everybody knows that um, you know their their opinion matters, their opinion has value and carries weight and things like that and so yeah um, to some extent we we deal with a lot of things on the company level together um, but as you know as as most know, like anytime you get more than one person in a room, um, if you want to move forward, oftentimes there needs to be someone who kind of takes up that responsibility yeah. to lead. And so um, really, it was just kind of that's that's sort of how things came about. It was um, we were discussing as a team and, and and said, OK, let's let's think about how we want to structure ourselves moving forward. Um, let's think about, you know, what what skill sets and and what people are, are, are best at and how they can best uh, serve um, and uh, contribute to the company. And and we sort of determined that the best way I could contribute to the company was to, was to step in this role. And, and because um, we have such awesome people and, and you know, awesome people with, with some amazing talent, I knew that by me stepping away from the design side specifically, we weren't going to suffer in any way. It was actually going to get better. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's part of it too, right, is, is as a leader, you want to always be looking at the people you have on your team and saying, uh what are they skilled in what are they passionate about what are ways that that i can help them hopefully reach what they're passionate about and and if there are movements that need to happen if there's shifts that need to happen um if i need to remove roadblocks or whatever um that's kind of some of the things that we should be concerned about and so we're always sort of evaluating that and and talking to each other about that and and figuring out ways to to make it better
0: did you ever see this like coming i mean is it does it feel kind of almost, maybe now it's been a couple of years, but maybe in the beginning, um, kind of surreal, like, you know, I'm the CEO of this, you know, not, it's not even a, a small company, even though you are 14 people, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, it's small. But when you look at, you know, web shops, specifically web shops, you know, 14 people isn't isn't small, um, I would say. Um, like, was this something that you wanted, like you had your sights set on, or, or was it just kind of like, you know, Wow, I, I can't believe this is where I'm at now. You know, like what was your state of mind around that period where suddenly you're the CEO of this company?
1: Yeah, I, honestly, it's it's more humbling than anything else. It's it's uh, um, you know, I I feel the weight of responsibility. I think uh, more more than anything else because for me, like I I take you know the rest of the 13 people on the team. Um, I I take all of their hopes and dreams and goals and, and, you know, everything that they do while they're at Envy um, in large part, very personally. And so I'm always sort of carrying them uh, in my heart, so to speak, and, and not to get super sappy, but um, that's, that's sort of how I, how I approach it. It's always for me, you know, how, how am I going to make or help make um, the lives of each of these other 13 people and their families better? Um, And there's, there's a lot of weight that comes with that, I think, um, yeah. and, you know, that comes with with leadership in any capacity. And so it's uh, it's very exciting because I'm thrilled with what we get the chance to do, um, the clients we get to work with, the team we get to work with. But at the same time, it's it's very sobering to me um, that, you know, people are saying, hey, we we trust you. We we believe that you know, you have the best interests of us and and of the company and that you're going to lead us in a, you know, in a good direction. And, and anytime you're in that position, it's always like, whoa, okay. uh, You know, I need to take this seriously.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Do you feel like, I, I can imagine being part of a company, you know, you don't necessarily feel a huge weight. And I know that you all, like you say, it's not just, you know, there's no one there that's just showing up for a paycheck, but, suddenly now that you're the you're the CEO do you are you under a lot more pressure do you feel like the weight of the fact that you know all these people's jobs and their livelihood you know in, in, in some ways I know it doesn't all just rest on you and you have people who who find business and develop customer relationships but you're still the guy at the top so it, it does rest on you in, in in a much bigger way than it did when you were just creative director you know what I mean
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, de- yeah, definitely. There's, you know, pressure. Um, I think has the connotation of of being a bad thing, and 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 so I think that um, I I do feel pressure, but it's not necessarily bad pressure. Um, yeah. It's 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 more of that kind of weight of responsibility. I think is the way that I would describe it. Um, but but certainly, I mean, that's something that that I wake up with every day and um you know you have to be careful because it's it's easy to allow that to crush you um you know in many yeah. ways and and uh and i know nobody here would want that and 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 we don't have the environment to where i feel that um but certainly i mean you have 13 other people most of whom have families um you know some of which have kids and mortgages and uh, you know all the things that come along with with normal everyday life, not to mention the fact that that companies and clients entrust us with hundreds of thousands of dollars to build things for them, um, yeah. you know many of which are are fundamental to their success as a business, and so there are a lot of different levels of that um, that I think it's it 's actually healthy to sort of hold that um,
0: I'm and just that. saying. I, I think I would. I think that would kill me, probably. If, if I knew <laughs> that there were like 13 other people, and you know, because I, I went down that road at one point. You know, I was a solo freelancer, and I was going to hire people, and and actually, you know, had a couple contracts out. Like, like they were just. I was waiting for these people to sign. You know, I sent them the employment contract, and I was going to actually have employees, and they ended up backing out. And I'm really glad they did because. Things didn't go the way I I planned, and I'm just picturing myself in that situation. I'd be so stressed out, you know, with thinking like you know it's all on me to keep this thing afloat. And it's it's like I said, I'm sure it's not all on you, but how do you how do you? I'm sure you got to feel some of that. Like how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's always funny. Like you you look at presidents like before they go into office and then after they've been in office for four years or eight years.
0: Yeah. They look like they're um, 10 years older or something. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, obviously I don't have near the responsibility as that, but you can sort of relate on a, on a fundamental level that once you step into a, you know, a leadership position in any capacity, whether it's, uh, you know, even, even like leading our families, right. Like helping to yeah. guide, guide our families and, Things like that, like there is that weight, um, weight there. But you know, honestly, it's uh, there's there's a lot of things that play into it for me. Um, you know, the relationship aspect is huge. Like we have such great relationships with the with the team that, um, in in many ways, they know and and they're they're super encouraging about things. And um, there's a there's a group of close friends that I have in the industry that I can talk to that are, that are also owners or agency owners or things like that, that, you know, we can sort of bounce ideas off of, um, you know, faith, yeah. f- faith has a big component, staying healthy as a big component so There's, you know, there's a lot of things there that, that help you deal with it. But honestly, I, I think it's a good thing because it, it, really challenges me to, uh, be very intentional about the decisions that I make about the work that I do. Like you can't be flippant about it. Once you're in a leadership position, you really have to focus and be very intentional, um, and make sure that you are thinking things through because decisions you make don't just affect you anymore. They impact a bunch of other people.
0: That's true. Yeah, that would be, you know, I'm curious um, how this affects like how you see your future. I don't know if before, you know, like what, I'm curious what kind of, if you're a, I don't know if you're a long-term planner kind of guy or not, but, you know, before all this happened, you know, maybe in the early years with Envy, you know, maybe you had plans. I don't know what, like what your future would be like. And I, I wonder now being the CEO of this company, if that's changed, like if you see yourself as like, you know, this, I'm going to be with this company, you know, uh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Whereas maybe before you might have, you you know what I'm saying? Um, like like how, how has this impacted kind of your own future and what you think about, like what you might be doing 10 years from now? Um, is it any different now that you're in this position versus where you were before?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I think if I've learned anything in the past, uh, five to 10 years, um, I mean, we were kind of talking about it earlier with kids, like, uh, when, when we were first married and we had this big grand plan about waiting three to five years to have a kid and then, Hey, that's not how it happens. Like yeah, you, you have a kid. And so your plans immediately change. Um, I think you know, I'm, I'm definitely a planner. I like to think long term about things, but what I've learned is I, I, I tend to not put a ton of weight on any of that. It's, it's more like I, there's, there's enough to focus on today, um, without having to, to be so concerned with, with tomorrow. So in, in some ways it does shape, um, where I'm going in the future. But honestly, for me, it's, it's more, it's more at a, at a higher level, I think. So like the things that I'm thinking about for the future aren't necessarily how long am I going to be in this role? Um, you know, where will I be kind of a thing? It's more, what are the things, what are the things that I want to do? What are the big problems that I feel like I want to solve? Um, and, and sort of what, what place in my life might those fall into? Um, so I think for me personally, like for the next, probably five to 10 years. I'm probably where I am now. I'm probably doing a lot of the things that I'm doing now, maybe in the next, uh, 10 to 15 years. Um, you know, it's, it's something more along the lines of trying to figure out ways of, of bringing education and technology and business development to impoverished areas, something that I've wanted to do for a while. So, but that's probably a little bit farther off. So that's kind of how I, how I think about it. Like, what do we want to do as a family? What do we want to do um you know for us personally and and career wise and all of that but honestly yeah. there's there's so much to think through and and decisions to make on a daily basis that uh I try not to let myself get too caught up in yeah and the what ifs do
0: you, do you feel like you're um like do you feel satisfied do you feel you know um how do I put it exactly uh like are you Are you happy? I mean, do you feel like things are going well, they're going the way you want them to go? Or or do you still feel some of that, you know, like I'm always in a state of like existential crisis, like, (laughs) who am I? What am I doing? Why does it matter? You know, am I adding any value to the world? Am I not? You know, how do I make money from this thing? You know, I'm just always filled with those kinds of questions. And I imagine your kind of role, you don't have a lot of time to, to just, you know, sit and whine or think about those kinds of things. But I don't know, do you and and, and do you feel like, you know, are you kind of, are you kind of satisfied with, with, with where you're at? Or are you still feel that a bit of that, um, you know, um, existential kind of discontent? if that makes yeah, sense.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that's part of being human. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's just the nature of of it, um, you know, in many ways. Um, I think that uh, the way that I guess I would describe it is I feel uh, I feel content with where I am. Um, but I don't know if I'm satisfied. So in other words, like I'm I'm always uh, s- challenging myself and and thinking about um ways to do something better and so you know specifically on the on the design side if i were designing something i would always be like okay the minute i'm done with it i think it sucks and yeah. <laughs> and i'm ready to make it better right um i've been doing some painting uh in and uh, kind of my free time on the weekends and every time i finish a painting uh, i'm like okay well that sucks there's all these things that are wrong with it and so like to yeah. to to that extent i'm i'm always evaluating the things that i do and and um, seeing ways that I'm not satisfied with it, and I think to some extent having that creative dissatisfaction is is a good thing because it helps spur me on. But yeah, um, I've I've really tried in the last uh, in the last probably five years, um, and a lot of that has to do with with the health issues that I've had and and with some family issues that we've had to to try and learn how to be content as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, at least personally, where I go if if I if I'm not content is I. Um, you know, it, it, it's much more difficult to deal with situations if if I'm not content. Mm-hmm. And so I've I've really tried to make that a, a fight and a focus. And, and I think that's helped because there are there are so many things that I can't control. Um, yeah, and I'd rather worry on the things that I can control. Uh, instead of the things that I can't, because ultimately that's just going to make me go crazy.
0: <laughs> Definitely, no, I, I get that for sure. Well, what do you think? Is uh, you mentioned, you know, more products and stuff. You know, Envy built Code School, and you ended up selling that off. Are you guys working on or have plans for um, more products, um, or are you just focusing in on um, being a client client focused company at this point?
1: Yeah, yeah, we actually have another one that we're working on. Um, that should be coming out in the next uh in the next month or two um so that's yeah. that's
0: can you talk about that new thing at all yet or do you want to wait really until it comes out
1: yeah i'll probably wait to to talk too specifically but it it definitely is in the in the same space of the work that we do and so a okay. lot of the work we have around sure. how to how to train or educate people or things like that and so it it's in that area cool um so yeah we're really excited about it. it's 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 been a fun Exercise to try and apply the things we've learned at code school uh, and see if we can do things better. Not that we did things badly at all, but there's always things you can learn.
0: Yeah, definitely. Ways to do it better the next time around. So you feel like the product side of things, like that'll always be something that you've got going on the side, you know, just whether it's just to stretch your muscles or whatever, but, you know, you'll always be doing something like that.
1: Yeah, I think it's just an an extension of of how we think. I mean, we're we're problem solvers, really, uh, yeah. at a at a high level, and and so that's what clients hire us for to to help uh, to help be focused to to solve a particular problem. And and when you when you're kind of wired that way, you're always thinking about it that way. Um, there's always going to be things that you're like, well, that's a cool idea, or hey, we could do that, or yeah. wow, this is a this is a way that we could really automate that process and make it a lot easier on ourselves. And so I think that's always going to be there because yeah. it's just part of our DNA. Um, and and I think it's good because it's uh, it does help us stretch our muscles, help us be more creative, helps build uh, a lot of those skills that we can then in turn apply to client projects and and make better, bigger, and better things.
0: Yeah. Well, cool, man. That's exciting. I'm excited for you, you know, to be in that role and see what happens with Envy and and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, thanks for coming on the show and talking to me about it. It's been a while. I, I don't think I always wanted to have you on the the old version of the Gently Mad that was kind of web focused, and I don't think we ever got it. We just never got around to it. But um, uh, it's 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 cool to be able to talk and kind of, you know. Uh, I had no idea about a lot of this stuff that had been going on. So, I mean, congrats on all that stuff, and and like I said, thanks for thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, yeah, it's 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 always fun to uh, talk about these things. And then, yeah, you're right, it's fun to sort of come full circle. I think from many years ago.
0: I <laughs> know, yeah, awesome. Well, thanks,
1: man. You got it. Thank you. It's my pleasure.
0: that's it that's the show thanks for listening thanks jason for coming on the show finally it's been almost uh well hell i don't know how long it's been since i've been doing the show but we've i've wanted to have jason on for a while finally did it great conversation man and congrats and good luck all that stuff good night and good luck as they say i, I I'm, I'm still all out of whack this morning thing isn't working for me i'm gonna give it a couple more days though I don't know how long, how long is it supposed to take until like a, a new habit kicks in? I'm not sure. I don't know if I can make it that long with this, but we'll see. If you enjoyed this show, I would love a rating and review in iTunes. If you wouldn't mind doing that, I'd greatly appreciate it. And also tell people about the show. That helps a lot too. And you can always reach out to me. I love talking to people. I'd love to help if there's anything that you're going through that I can help with. I'm adam at avclark.com. Feel free to send me an email, hit me up on Skype, uh, Twitter, at Av Clark. Any of those work. Hope you're having a good week. Oh, you can also support the show. I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported the show financially. AvClark.com/support. Well, that's all I've got. I need to get more coffee. Okay, I'll see you next time. I don't know, I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of... How many words am
1: I at?